0: I got ruined on that "Reckless Love of God" song. I tell you that that uh, I don't know if y'all remember the first time we did that, but it wasn't planned. And Kobe uh, used it the day that we talked about the prodigal son, and uh, and and so I, I can't forget it because that that story in that story that particular week of study, um, you know, the word "prodigal" means reckless. It's one, of, one of the terms that's used to, to describe what prodigal is is reckless. And uh, Tim Keller, I was reading something by him that week, and he, he talked about how uh, how God was the one that was reckless. It wasn't it wasn't the son. Oh, the son was reckless. Obviously, he took all his, he took his inheritance and he ran with it. But God was the reckless one in the ways that we just talked about. That God, we don't deserve it. We haven't earned it, and yet God gives us. His love, just just because of who He is. I mean, that that's reckless. That while we were sinners in rebellion against God, that He responded by giving us His love, giving us salvation, giving us righteousness, not counting our sins against us. I mean, what better experience could we have, <laughs> right? From a God who is just and perfect and demands justice and perfection from us. And we couldn't ever reach it had He not done something on our behalf so I just want to celebrate that for just a minute this morning because for, hey man, for so long in my life I, I regret this but for so long in my life I preached like I was trying to convince the younger son to be like the older son right who stayed home always did what the father wanted him to do and and uh, and but who expected something in return like he earned something from the father and he says, man, I've, I've not done anything wrong, yet you hadn't even given me a goat. You have the son of yours that took your wealth and squandered it away and then comes back. You've given the fat, you've, you've given your robe, your ring, the fattened calf. It's not a story about us. It's a story about God and how good he is. And that's, that's the story we want to celebrate today. That's the truth that we want to celebrate today is that God is good and he loves us. And and that beautiful song that we ended with, man, I I love that. The second verse really spoke to me. Uh, Lord, uh, now indeed I find Thy power and Thine thine alone can melt, uh, can yeah change the leper's spots and melt a heart of stone. That's where we're going this year. It's what we're talking about. Is until we see and experience and believe and really really honestly feel I think eventually feel an appreciation for the love of God the depths of his love the the gift that he's given us and and we really understand the depths of that 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 our hearts are never going to be changed you know just about everybody in this room as far as I know and some of you I don't know but just about everybody in this room has a relationship with God through Christ you began that relationship, but for whatever reason, you know, I think, I think it takes time for us to really, for this to kick in, for the reality of what God's done for us, and who He is to us, and how much He loves us, for that, and who, all, who His character is, and for us to understand that and experience that in ways that will affect our hearts. It takes time for that to happen, but I think we're there, church. Those of you that are gathering place people, and you've been here for a while, I think we're there. I think that's why God wants us to make this transition, to now begin to be more focused on enjoying the relationship we have with God, the things that we've discovered about God, walking in those, fighting against the enemy who's trying to destroy us and trying to keep us from enjoying God and knowing God for the sake of a community that surrounds us, that has misconceptions about God. I have friends who are here today, some for the first time, walking into our church. and I, 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 know, I can't imagine what it's like to walk into a church nowadays and not know what all is going to be expected, what's on their list of things that I'm supposed to do in order to be accepted. And that, that's religion, and it's, and it's dead, and it's, and it's uh, the result of what I was a part of for lots of years, and that is trying to talk people into acting like the older son. Instead of talking to people and, and let, helping people to see how good the Father is, when we start shining our light to people and we start understanding how good God is and we start passing that on to people. Not because we have to, not because we have a memorized plan, we go to this many places and we go here and we make it happen, but just because we do life. Because when we do life, people see us and they see how, how much we enjoy life, they see how good it is and how different we are because Christ is in us and He's moving in us and we're not following a list. That's dead and, and, and heavy, but we're just walking with God. People are drawn to that. They're just drawn to that. It doesn't matter what we do or who we are. I, I hope that those of you that walked in today found a church full of people who were loving and accepting. I hope you did. You know, we, we tend to love on ourselves a lot. <laughs> but I hope you got loved on today, and I hope you can sense that, that this is a place where there's no judgment. There's no, you know, Jesus didn't come to the world to condemn the world. And for so many years, man, I feel like everything I preached was condemnation, condemnation. Coming down hard on people, you know, stepping on toes is what made a good preacher, you know, when I was growing up. But, but God has changed me on the inside now, and I don't have that to preach anymore. What I have to preach is good. is God is good. And we are not, and he loves us anyway. And requires nothing from us in order to have his favor on us, because Jesus has already done everything that needed to be done on our behalf. That's a great message. So I want us to bask in that this year. We're, we're, this year we're going to be talking about becoming a community that blesses. So last week we did a study in John's first epistle about the light of Jesus picking up from where we left off last year. The light came into the world, the Bible says, that Jesus was life and light and he came into the world and that and the, the, there were certain responses to the light. Some, some didn't, understand, didn't, didn't understand who he was. Others, even his own people, they understood, but they didn't receive him. But the Bible says, and we embrace this fact, that to anyone who receives him, he gives the power to become children of God. To all who believe on his name, he gives the power to become children of God. And so we've made a decision to be children of God. Most of us in this room, all of us who are gathering place members, have made a decision to walk with God, to, to invite the Lord to come into our hearts and to walk with him through life, or to come into our lives, however it is. I mean, The Bible doesn't even use that terminology. But we have received the, the salvation and the gift of Christ from God. And, and as we read last week, not only did, did the light come in the world, we were able to receive him, but there's an effect that the light has. Last week we talked about specifically two things that, that happen when we walk with Christ in life. Or as the as the scripture described in 1 John 5 last week, as we walk, or one, I mean, as we walk in the light, as he is in the light, when we walk in the light, which means we are literally linked up with God. We're abiding in him, is our terminology here. So we are obeying him, we understand what his desires are for us. And we're obeying him. We're going to talk more about that today. And when we're walking in the light, there's two things that happen. So number one is we have fellowship, koinonia, with one another. If we're going to be a community that blesses, the first thing we need to be is a community. And we're not a community. Not really. Okay, we're going to see that as we we work through these studies this year. There's a reason why God has us on this study. We are groups of people that hang together, and we come together on Sunday mornings, and we are a church in the terms, uh, probably in the best terms that we know, but we really aren't community, and we're going to see where we're falling short. Today, we're going to see a place where we fall woefully short, where I fall short, you fall short. We as a church are missing something that we need to embrace to be a community something that Jesus prayed for, and we're going to close today with a prayer that he prayed and talk about what he prayed for. But we, we want to be a community, a koinonia fellowship, of people who are, are walking and sharing a life with God and with each other. Remember, there's three types of koinonia, and the koinonia that he talks about in this passage is the koinonia of us sharing with God and with each other, a constant, abiding fellowship, Walking in, in, in God's will for our lives, each individually and us corporately. So we looked at that last week. And when a group of believers walks in obedience to the Holy Spirit, He also said, not only do we know God personally and we know each other and we're in fellowship with one another, but also there's this constant sanctifying that happens in our life. The blood of Jesus Christ continues to cleanse us of all sin. Literally, he shows us, shows us our sins progressively as we walk through life. It's really easy to understand. When God says, this is what I want you to do, and God makes it clear to us what his direction is for our life, it's like dropping a plumb line into somebody's life. You see where you are, and you see where the line is, and you say, okay, I'm not walking in fellowship with God. And so his blood cleanses us from sin because our heart's already been changed. We want to walk with God. This is what we desire. We want to walk according to his plan for our lives. And the more that we do, the more we will want to. Because our life will get better and better and better and more and more blessed. And so we line ourselves up with his, with his life. So the blood of Jesus Christ continually cleanses us from sin as we walk in the light. But we have to walk in the light. We have to walk in the light. So today we're going to see how clearly uh, or clearly how the growth that comes from walking in the light is not only a growth in unity for us. Not only is it a growth in, in our, in our uh, uh, winning over sin in our lives, but it's also a growth in selfless love. According to John, a community of believers who claim, like we do, to walk in the light or to abide in Christ is going to be characterized by not just love, because love can mean any, kind, any number of things. I love Cheerios. I love my wife. I don't love them in the same way. But the kind of love he's talking about here is a selfless love. It's agape. It's one of the thir- three types of, of loves that's used in the New Testament. And the, the Greek word here is agape. It's selfless love. It's, it's described, and we'll look at a description of it here in just a minute, as selfless love. Now I want to go back to the passages that define us as a church today. Our our defining passages are found in the message of Christ to his disciples in the final words uh, of his life prior to his crucifixion in those final hours between the upper room experience of the Last Supper to the crucifixion of Christ. He has this encounter with Christ that we've received as our direction as a body, and that is the message of abiding. This message of Christ to his disciples during these final moments uh, are found in, in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. We're going to go to John 15 today. And I want us to see that the focus that we've been, this, this focus that we've been giving, uh, given for, by God for a year, being a community that blesses, is the fruit that comes from us walking in the light. If we're going to be a community that blesses, it's not something we have to really concentrate hard on becoming. Most of, my, most of my ministry, I preach to the, to the fruit. The fruit is love one another. So y'all need to go out of here and love one another. Everybody feel good about that? All right, amen. Go do it. And that's, I don't preach that way anymore because the, that's fruit. I don't have to tell a tree to bear fruit. I just have to make sure the tree is healthy and it will bear fruit. It's what it does. And that's who we are. If we would just commu, uh, commit to keeping our focus on abiding, then we're going to become a community that blesses. We're going to become this community that loves selflessly. It's the natural result. So don't work hard at loving selflessly. Work hard at coming to know Christ and obeying what he says, and that's going to be the result. Look at it with me in in verses 4 through 17. Jesus says this in John chapter 15, 4 through 17, Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown, into the, uh, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branch is gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I call you friends, for all that I have heard from the Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. And that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. I hope you're able to see the community of selfless love that's described here in this passage as we were walking through it. This is, a, this is our passage about abiding. It's just abiding in Christ. But ultimately, he says in verse 17, these things I command you, that you would love one another. He's telling us to abide so that we would love one another. Love is fruit of abiding. Jesus is the vine. He's the trunk of the tree. We're just the branches. We, don't, we can't do anything if they're not connected to the trunk. The trunk is where the life comes from. And so whatever we bear it comes from the trunk. It's been given to us. And so abiding in Christ is what brings that. And so we've, we've broken down most of these passages, but I want to pick up today in some that we haven't really spent a lot of time talking about. In verse 14. First of all, he says this you are my friends if you do what I command you. Okay, so first of all, friends of Jesus, he says, are, are friends who abide, are friends who are people who walk in the light. They obey what he says, which is abiding. The more intimate you are with Jesus, the more you, you're going to desire to walk in the light or do what he commands. And unfortunately, I wish you could just hit a switch and immediately you would get that. I hope that we could just click a, sw- flip a switch and automatically you would have that feeling of love for God. Because what Satan does is he robs us from the the process that brings about that feeling of love. He robs us from the process because we don't feel love for God, so we don't feel like obeying God. We don't trust God, so we don't obey God. If I don't feel like obeying God and I don't trust God enough to obey God, then how am I ever going to obey God? You're never going to. You're not going to. It's all based on your faith and trust in God and your love for God. The only way that you're going to be able to do that is you've got to start doing something. You've got to obey. So the best gift that God can give us is a command to obey. When he speaks something in our lives, he gives us something to do, and it challenges our faith or our logic or our reason or our hearts. When that challenge comes, we we need to obey that. We don't have to, but we need to. I encourage you to because that's, that's where love comes from. Jesus says, you're my friends. You're intimate with me when you walk in the light or when you obey my commands. There's there's different things that friendships center around. You know, I have lots of friends in all different kinds of walks of life. I've got some that um, that we like to watch sports. Today we talked a little bit about some of the, the, the saints and the games that are going on. And I love talking about the Tigers and what the Tigers are doing. And that's it. I have lots of friends who... That's what—that's the best expression of my love to them. Is for us to get together, and the best expression of their love to me is for us to get together, watch a game, talk about what went on, talk ball, and that's all our conversation really is. Doesn't ever get much deeper than that. I've got other friends that play golf. I like to play golf. Uh, you know, friends that play golf don't talk about anything but the next shot. Girls don't understand that. We can get in a golf cart. We can play a whole round of golf, 18 holes, and never say anything about anything. My brother-in-law and I play, play golf. And sometimes I'll come home and say, tilapia says, well, ask me, you know, how did, what did y'all talk about? Golf. I mean, we talked about the next shot. That's what we do. We talk golf. The best expression of love to a, a guy who likes to play golf, One of my friends that play golf, is playing golf, Honey, I was talking this morning with Bryce about honey. They went this morning before church. Uh, that's commitment. Not only because they went early, but because they went cold today. But I love to hunt. I, you know, we can talk hunting all day long. I've got pictures to show you and videos. and i got a deer that I videoed the other day that I've shown some guys this morning. I love talking hunting with people that love hunting. The best way to express love to someone that loves hunting is to get up early in the morning, get a breakfast somewhere, a big breakfast. And I say early, way before the sun comes up. And then go get in a blind somewhere and be quiet and kill things. Yeah. I know some of you don't get that, but that's, that's an expression of love. You don't get that. Some, some people, I do like to read and study Scripture as well. Some of you are thinking, well, what kind of heathen is that? He's a pastor of this church. I love to read Scripture, I love to study the Scripture, I love getting new discoveries about God in Scripture, and there are certain guys that I love to sit and talk about scripture with. The best way for us to express love to each other is to sit over a cup of coffee at Hidden Grounds Coffee Shop. And talk about God. Talk about applying truth to life, new truth that we've discovered. So friendship with some of you don't understand that. Probably my my hunting friends don't understand my coffee friends. You know, or my, my reading friends. Some of my reading friends don't understand my golfing friends. And some of my, all of my girlfriends don't understand any of my friends, right? Because our, our friendship is based on a whole different thing. Okay, so understand this, church. I know it's hard for us to understand this, but listen. You will discover this if you ever get it. If you ever, if you ever get it once, you will understand it for the rest of your life. Friendship with God is based on His commands. It has everything to do with what God tells us to do. It has everything to do with us hearing and understanding the will of God and obeying what he says. Friendship with God is totally centered around walking with him in obedience. It's the only way that we can walk with him. Literally. We can't abide in Christ. We can't walk with him and be intimate with him if we don't hear his commands and obey what he says. So that's not burdensome. Jesus didn't give us commands to say, I will tell you what to do. I hate that word commands because it gives such a negative connotation to us. But just think of it this way. This is Jesus' expression of love to us. When he gives us commands to follow, it's an expression of love to us. John chapter 14, verse 21 says this. Whoever has my commands and obeys, obeys them, he is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. You hear what he's saying? Here's what he's saying ultimately. You want to know me? Intimately, I'm going to show you myself. I'm going to reveal myself to you. And here's all you got to do. I'm going to show you how to, what to do. You do it. And I'm going to reveal myself to you. So Moses comes to know God as, as ruler of all the elements whenever God tells him to go tell Pharaoh there's going to be a plague. And he goes and tells him and there's a plague. He reveals himself to Moses because Moses obeyed what God said. Or he tells Moses to throw down your staff and he turns it into a stick. Or throw down your staff and turns it into a snake. It already was a stick. And, and Moses runs from it. And he, and he has this experience with God where he obeys what God says, a simple obedience. But then God does something only God can do because he obeyed. One is Moses' expression of love to God. When he throws the stick down, that's his expression. God, I love you. And I want to know you more. What I know about you is enough to, to make me want to know, know you more. And so I'm going to do what you say. And God's expression of love to Moses is, watch this. Psst. Snake. And then he does a good, better thing when he says, pick up the snake. And Moses' faith had to grow for this one because he ran from it. And he picks the snake up and God turns it back into a staff. And that, be, that begins this intimate relationship that Moses has with God, and he walks with God as, a man, as no other man did in his day, and he leads God's people out of bondage in Egypt, frees God's people. He becomes a leader and, at the, and has progressively more difficult tasks that he has to do, tasks like standing in front of a sea with an army at his back and, and, and no place to go but forward. And people all around him whining and complaining and saying, what did you do taking us out of Egypt? Nobody on his side stands alone, and he says, God, what do I do? And God says, hold up your staff. Tell the people to stand still and see the deliverance of their God. He holds up his staff. God parts the water. Now Moses knows God in a deeper way. You're not going to know God intimately until you obey what he says. His friends are those who obey him. So our way of developing intimacy with Jesus is to walk in his commands and in his, way of loving, in his way of loving us is to give us commands and ultimately to reveal himself through those commands. Now, now what he says in this passage is obeying his commands changes the status of our relationship with him. When we obey because he tells us to and, that, and we, we obey because we have to, because we ought to, because we're supposed to, because the preacher told us to, because he preached a sermon that made us feel guilty and shamed, that's servants, that's not friends. Jesus says in verse 15, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. I've called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Friends of God who would walk in the light have to have light to walk in. If we're going to be friends of God and obey what he says, then this specifically means that he has to tell us what he's doing. How are we going to walk in the light if he doesn't tell us what to do? Remember that for a person that walks in the light, it means that God shows us what to do. Literally, this is what he does. If we're walking with Jesus, then all he has to do is show us where he's going because we're going with him, right? Y'all get that? Say, oh, yeah. If, if, if we're standing around and I say, I'm going to, uh, and you say, hey, I need to go to the restroom. And I say, well, I know where it is. Just follow me. Then if you go with me, you're going to end up in the restroom. If you don't, you no telling where you'll end up. Okay, it just makes sense. If we're walking with somebody, we're going to end up where they are. And so Jesus tells us here that what basically what we're doing is is we're walking with him. He's not calling us servants. We're walking with him. This is the way that, that's the way that Jesus knew how to live. Remember in John chapter 5, look at the verses with me, verses 19 and 20. Remember what Jesus said about what he does, and he was our example of how to walk with God. Jesus was our example. This is what he said about it. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the father loves the son, and shows him all that he himself is doing. Here's all Jesus needed. Because the father loved him, he showed him what he was doing, and he invited him to go with him. And Jesus said, I'll do nothing on my own. I'm only going to do whatever the father's doing. If we're abiding in Christ, walking in the light, then we are a community of believers who are walking wherever God goes. We're going where he goes. That's the way he lived. And so Jesus loves us by showing us what he's doing so that we can walk with him in life. Remember that verse said he no longer calls us friends because he shows us what he's doing. He no longer calls us servants but friends because he shows us what he's doing. Now, there are reasons that people exclude themselves from walking with Christ. And there might be some of you here today who would find yourself right now thinking, okay, well, I I can't walk with God. I can't walk with God because I'm too bad. I mean, Glenn, you don't know. I mean, I'm here today, and I look pretty good. I mean, I'm not wearing a mustard yellow sweater, but I look pretty good. I had to talk myself into putting this on this morning. But I look pretty good this morning. I'm, I'm here. I got up. I got out of bed. I made my effort. I showed up at church. If you think that does something for you, you're missing it. Being in this building doesn't do anything for you. Getting up and, and fighting a fight, and listen, I'm glad you did, but it, what happens now, while you're in this building, while the Word is being preached, while we are worshiping God together and, and fellowshipping with each other, what you get out of this that strengthens your relationship with God is what matters. But some of you think you're too bad. You think, man, I'm, I'm too bad. God doesn't want to have anything to do with me. You're excluding yourself from being a God's friend. Some of you think that you love sin too much, and that excludes you from walking with God. Can I tell you something? You're never going to stop. The part of you is never going to stop loving sin until you get out of this body. We've had this discussion over and over again, but remember, the Word of God. Paul said, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I keep on doing. Wretched man that I am, it's the members of my body waging war against my mind. The the eternal part of me, the Jesus part of me wants to live perfectly, but I keep on messing up. Don't beat yourself up. And don't think that you're excluded because you love sin too much. Okay? Until we get rid of these bodies, we're going to love some sin. Now, the eternal part of you doesn't want that sin in your life, but you're going to have that struggle. But don't exclude yourself from being a friend of God because you love sin too much. That's what he came for, to give us something to love more than sin. But we're never going to get there if we don't obey God. Don't think that God would consider, uh, some of you don't think that God would consider you his, his, uh, his friend. Some of you think that you can't hear God to obey him, and so you exclude yourself. Listen, I promise. Listen, this is what God loves. God loves us to have childlike faith. For too too many years, when I preached, I acted like somebody who was above everybody else, who had all the answers, who could hear from God, and nobody else could. So y'all just come to me and get your answers. That's how I acted. I didn't do it intentionally. I really just... You know, I was trying to pursue something, but that, that's, what I, that's what was modeled for me, is that I'm supposed to be the pastor who has everything together. I'm supposed to know all the Scripture and not, not let anybody catch me not knowing anything. And what I realize is that I've set up this, this thing that makes people think, if they're not like me, they can't hear from God. Can I tell you this? The first time you ever hear from God, you don't have Christ in your life. And you heard him. You hear him when the Spirit speaks to your heart. It's not your responsibility. Keep that childlike faith. God will continue to speak to you. You don't have to have a seminary degree to, to, be, to hear from God. It's the biggest lie that Satan sells out there. It stops us from being friends of God. That we can't hear God's voice. How can I obey his commands if I don't know his commands? And I can't understand his commands because I don't understand the King James Version. Or I don't really understand the Bible. The Holy Spirit came for that purpose, to help us to understand, to know what God's word is saying. So quit excluding yourself. Listen to what he said in verse 16. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide, and so whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. A couple of things out of that verse. Listen, first of all, rejoice in this fact. You've been chosen by God. Not because you're good, not because of your potential. God didn't choose you because he thought you are going to be a good person one day. You've been chosen by God because God loves sinners. He loves you. He created you and loves you. It's who he is. He can't help himself but love his creation. God loves you. You're chosen by God. He chose you. And arranged it so that you could walk in the light. He gave you a way to walk in the light that's not dependent upon you. And that's by receiving the free gift of Christ, the righteousness of God, put in your hearts. He takes out our heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh and puts his spirit in us. That's God's gift to us. So you can walk in the light. You're chosen by God. He also said we're appointed by God. We bear ongoing fruit because we've been appointed by God. A life results from a person walking with God. A church results from a body who abides, obeys, walks in the light. We need to recognize that we've been appointed by God to bear fruit. And the only way we're going to bear fruit as people of God, individually and corporately, is if we abide in him. We need to know what God's saying for us to do, and we need to do it. When we do that, he also says in this passage that we can ask for anything in his name, and he will give it to us. That's as we're abiding, as we're obeying, as we're seeking his will, walking in the light, we're seeing where he's going, and we're adjusting our lives to to it. So when when God literally, I mean, we're not going to see him, but when God reveals to us that he's working in a certain way, in a person's life for instance. And we say, okay, I see God's working in that person's life. I'm I'm going to join God in that. Then here's what we can Im- immediately begin to pray. God touch his life. God change his life. God save his life. God whatever it is that that person needs, we can pray with God. We can pray for that and it will happen. You know why? Cuz all we're doing is we're adjusting to where God what God's doing. It's like being in the car and someone's taking you somewhere and, and you're seeing all these sights along the way, and you're saying, Look, look, there's a tower right there. Or like Taliafa, you read every sign Fred's bank, you know, whatever. Look, look, we're having the experience together. It's not like, and we're going together to a certain place, but we're seeing the same things together. It's not like I, can't, I can say, Taliafa, I pray that you would see that bank. Right? All I have to say is, Look, there's the bank. That's the way it is with Jesus. When we see where he's going and what he's doing, we're already on board with him. We're going with him where he's going. So whatever we pray for is going to happen. Now, what specific type of fruit does Jesus mention in this dialogue with his disciples? I want to bring this up because this is ultimately where we're going today. A church that's going to be a community that blesses is going to be a church that has abiding love. Verse 17, he says, These things I command to you, that you will love one another. He says, "I've, I've told you these things about abiding so that you will understand where selfless love comes from. And I want you to know that any fruit that comes from me is born out of selfless love. Listen, church, I'm going to say it again, because that's probably the most important statement we're going to hear today. That any fruit that comes from God, if he's the vine and we're the branches, if any fruit that comes from God is going to be born out of selfless love. It's not going to come from selfishness. It's going to come from selflessness. I can hear God saying to us, wanting to say to us today, I'm not giving you any commands that are about you, but rather every command that God gives us, listen, everything that God gives us in the form of a command, a something to do, a way to respond, a job to take, a person to spend time with. uh, An activity that that gives us peace and recreation. All of it, even those things that seem to be about us, are not about us. Ultimately, they are about giving God's love to others. It's about love being expressed. This is where we need, church, to make a shift in our thinking. Y'all with me? Okay, this is for us. And and this is where we need to make a shift in our thinking. Ultimately, the Holy Spirit gives us commands to follow. Not so that we can do the right thing. He gives us commands to to follow so that we can know God in his love and that as a result of that, love others with his love. We're more interested in being known for being spiritual. Across the board, Christian people, we're more interested in being known for being great preachers and teachers, having a great preaching ability, a great teaching ability. We like being known for having deep knowledge about the Bible. We like being known for having faith that perseveres in the toughest situations and circumstances that arise. We want people to see that we have strong faith. We like to be known for being spiritual in a way of giving lots of money to the church or to certain causes, taking a high percentage of our income and giving it away to somebody else we we want to be known for being persecuted for the Lord and being a kamikaze Christian you can uh, where I'll go where nobody else goes for Jesus name that's what we want to be known for that is not what God wants. Listen to what he says in 1 corinthians thirteen it's one one of your one of the most Read verses. All of you have heard it before, probably, but listen to it carefully. And what he says: all these things that we that we want to be known for are listed in the first three verses of chapter 13. He says, "If I speak with the tongue of men and angels, so if I speak, like I got, am a powerful preacher, speaker, and have not love. I'm a resounding clung, gong or a clanging symbol. If I have the gift of prophecy." And can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. I'm a deep theological thinker. And if I have faith that can move mountains, no matter what the circumstances, I'm always at peace because I got this strong faith. But I have not love. I am nothing. If I give all that I possess, everything, now listen, everything. What if you sold all that you had and took all the money in the bank and you gave it away to the poor? You know what God says? If there's not love tied to that, if it, if it is not coming out of the vine, if it doesn't come out of walking in the light, which is always going to be in a consideration for other people, then it's, he says, even if I surrender my body to the flames, I gain nothing. Listen, if we are intimate with the Lord, if you are intimate with the Lord, you're going to find yourself becoming progressively more selfless. If you're walking in the light, here's what's going to happen. Every command that God gives you is going to lead you to become more selfless. I don't think that's happening right now, church. I think what's happening is we're enjoying the grace of God and the freedom of God and we're enjoying each other and we're enjoying uh, that, that we don't have a lot of structure and a whole lot of rules to follow and we're missing something and Satan is robbing us of not only is he robbing us of the joy of being friends of God, of knowing God intimately, of walking with him and having the blessing of uh, progressive discoveries that we get of God by being obedient to him, he's robbing this community. He's robbing this community of the truth about who God is. Truth that nobody else is going to share with them. if you don't. If I don't. He's robbing us. He's robbing each of you by being self-focused every time you go to a life group or every time you walk into this building and spend time with believers or every time you, you walk into wherever you walk into, it's all about you. He's robbing you and us as a church of what he wants to bless us with, a deeper knowledge of him. This is the character of God. And the only way that we're going to understand that, listen, we have to realize that if we are really walking in the light, this love is going to be prevalent. It's going to be obvious. It's going to be all up in us. We just need to walk it out. Listen to the way the Bible describes John in his epistle. 1 John chapter five or 4, how he describes God himself. You want to talk about God's character. Anything that comes from God is going to be consistent with this. Verse 7, chapter 4. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever has love has been, whoever loves, that is agape love, same kind of love, whoever loves selflessly is born of God and knows God. And anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. And this is the kind of love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Totally selfless love. While we're sinners, God sends his son into the world. That's love. That's agape love. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. To pay the price for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, listen, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Everything God tells us to do, abiding in him is obeying him. Everything he tells us to do is going to result in the world around us seeing the love of God. They will see God when they see our love. They'll know we're his disciples when they see our love. Then picking up in verse 16, i want to read verse 16 and 17. It says this. So we have come to know and to believe the love of God, uh, the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with, with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in the world. The only community of people who can truly love selflessly, according to this passage, according to this teaching, is this. He says, the only ones that can love this way are people who have two characteristics. Number one, they are born of God. You settle that issue for yourself today. Have you ever come to a place in your life where you've said, where you have realized that what God has done for you, that Christ wants to save you, that, that, he, that Jesus came to give you life and to, to reconnect you with, with the Father. You've been separated from God, and God wants to connect you back with him through Jesus. And all you've got to do is just receive the gift. If you've never done that, that's the first thing that needs to happen. That's called being born of God. Nicodemus came to Jesus and said, what do I have to do to have eternal life? Jesus said, you must be born again. You gotta start from scratch. So being born of God is the first characteristic. Most of us in this room have that. If you're a member of this church, you've at least said you have that, that you've come to that point in your life. But the second thing, he says, not only do they have to are they born of God, but they have to know God. That word know is our word that we use in abiding. It's that word that is in our mission statement, leading people to know God. That word know means to have to know him by experience, not just in your head, but to know him in your life. Okay, are y'all getting this? How are we going to love people selflessly? It's being born of God, got that, but it's also knowing him in our life experience through obedience. It's abiding in Christ. Abiding love is a fruit of obeying God's commands. Selfless love for other people will only happen in your life when you have a relationship with God and you are walking in that relationship, walking in the light. You're not going to love selflessly without it. We don't love selflessly. We have our moments, church. Listen, I'm, not, I'm saying we, not you. Y'all hear me say we, right? All right. We have our moments, but we're missing out on the blessing of spending our lives for the sake of others, of investing all that we have in other people. That, that the reason why we go to life group is because we want to, to bless other people. The reason why we wouldn't miss life group unless, there's, unless we're going to be bringing sickness into the life group. Don't do that. I'm talking about contagious sickness. You might want to come sick sometimes because sometimes we're sick because we're sick and tired. But get to your life group, not because of what they're going to give to you. Oh, I don't feel like it. Well, what's that about? I don't feel like it. It's about I. Instead, if you think I'm going to life group because I need to give life to people, I need to bless people. God's going to give me an opportunity to, to feed somebody. I might get something out of it, but it's not about me. Selfless love is pr- being by practice is letting God's heart fill us so that we're concerned about others. That person that nobody wants to spend any time with, nobody's going to ever spend time with because there's something about them that's not attractive or or, or that repulses people. Why are we going to spend time with them? Because the love of God is in us. We've obeyed God's commands enough that we understand and we love God and we we love other people. It's it's fruit that comes from that. That love comes only in one way. It's us abiding in him, obeying him, knowing him. We need to be that community. We put limits on our love. We say that we're a community of believers born of God. Yet when it comes to our lifestyles, we're so committed to ourselves, so focused on ourselves. I want to challenge us churches, church, challenge us church, maybe churches, to think about how we make decisions. Think about why we do what we do with community. Think about why we don't do what we do in the big community. There's some changes that need to happen. There needs to be a shift in our thinking. We chose this church, lots of us, based on our wants. We go to church and life groups because we've had a good day and it's easy. And we don't go when it's not. We commit to everything but loving the body, putting the body first, loving the lost the wandering out there and putting them first and even when we're with the body we're focused on ourselves so let's remind ourselves what Jesus is teaching in this passage Jesus Jesus loves us by giving us his commands he he chose us to walk with him he calls us his friends the more we walk with him the more light we're going to receive the more we're going to know him and the more that we know him the more that we're going to be others focused it's not that complicated But it all starts with knowing God and walking His commands. Now, I want to close with this, a prayer of Jesus. This is the last prayer that Jesus prays, except for the the garden prayer. It's the last prayer that He prays for somebody else. It's in John chapter 17. It's the high priestly prayer it's called. There are just a couple of excerpts from this prayer that I want you to see. And see what Jesus is praying for. Why? Because this is—he is, just put yourself in the place of the disciples. Put yourself in the place of the world around us. Jesus is praying for his disciples and he's praying for the world, for those that would believe. And this is what he says. Verse 6, he's talking to the Father and he says, I've manis- manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. I have manifested your name. I have shown your character to the people around me, the people that you've given me out of the world. God's not asking you to save the world, but he's going to give you people around you, just like he did his son. There are going to be people that he gives you that you need to show his character to. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. They've obeyed. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me. And they received them, meaning they obeyed them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you. Came to know in experience that I came from you. Other people didn't know Jesus in this way. They heard about him. They had rumors about him. They had ideas about him. They talked about who he might be. Disciples knew him because they obeyed the words that he gave them. And they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. Now, this is the personal experience of each disciple that walked with Jesus. They kept his words, and they came to know the truth about Jesus. Each one of you, as you keep his word, and many of you have, you've been doing that. As you have kept his word, you've come to deeper knowledge of who God is. That's great. That's personal. And Jesus prayed for you as his disciple. But he doesn't stop there. He also says that he gave them God's word, which that's a Trinitarian statement, right? God, Jesus is saying, I gave them your words. They're Jesus' words too. But Jesus chose to be human and received those words from the Father. But he made the same statement earlier in regard to what the Holy Spirit would do for us. Look at it in chapter 16. This is right before this passage in chapter 17. Before this high priestly prayer, Jesus says this to his disciples. Verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. Jesus is saying, the spirit will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the father has is mine, and therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So now Jesus is praying the same thing, or saying the same thing is going to happen. For the disciples. So that's us. We are the disciples in this category. But he doesn't leave it with just the disciples. John chapter 17. Listen to what he says here in verse 20. I do not ask for these only. Not just for the disciples. But also for those who will believe in me through their word. The community, church, that's around us. God, Jesus has prayed for them that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. He prayed that we would be a community of believers that would be walking in him in such a way that the world around us would believe in God. That's our goal this year. The glory that you've given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know, again, the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. So Jesus is praying the same thing for the world around us that he prayed for us. We have received this truth. We are walking in it. We're getting progressive knowledge about God. We need to be more responsible with gaining more knowledge about God, being being honest and loving uh, because God is changing us on the inside. Same thing. And Jesus prayed that the results of walking in the light would not only be a deeper understanding of truth about him, but look at what he says. He says that they would be one just as the Father and Jesus are one, that we would be united as disciples. People ask me all the time, how is it that your church is so unified? And we talked about this last week. It's because we're all tuned into the same tuning fork. It's not because we are in tune with each other and we've all compromised. There's unity here because we're all doing our best. So we're all striving and want to strive to walk with Jesus and let him produce fruit through us. And we are of the same mind in that way. That's why we're united. But then he also says that others would believe as they see the glory of God in our unity. It's weird to people in this community that we walk together, that we're not talking about each other behind each other's backs. That we're not out in the community knocking each other down. That we have that we have not had a descending vote on anything that we voted on as a church in 10 years. That blows people's minds. That's not church. Church is where you fight. Church is where everybody has to compromise something. Nobody, nobody wants to walk together. But this church has always walked together. It's not because you have a strong leader. It's not because we you know because we, we have the secret. It's because we all love God, and that's who we're going after. We're not going after building a church or building a congregation or or filling these seats up with people. It's about knowing God and showing the world around us how good he is, right? So let's do it. Let's commit to that this year. How do we get this abiding love, this selfless love that will communicate to the world around us? You know what communicates to people around us is when they don't deserve our love and we give it because that's Christ's love. It's when we don't treat them with the same kind of disdain they treat us, or we don't get upset with them when they get upset with us, that we just love people, and we sacrifice, and we do it with each other. And people should be able to walk into this building and see our love for one another and know there's something different going on. And it's not us, it's God. All right, enough said. That's all we got time for. we got other things to do today. Let's deal with that, okay? Let's pray for a minute. We'll have a little time of worship to close out. I want to encourage you to do this right now. Take this message, apply it to your own life. Yeah, You know where you are in this area of, of walking in the light and having selfless love. When I talked about selfless love today, did you find that to be something that you desire? If you're a child of God, I know you did. Because anybody that's born of God and knows God loves that way. Our desires to love that way. We have victory in Christ to be able to do that. It needs to be more than an idea. It needs to be more than a message that we leave in the church on Sunday morning. We need to take this out with us today. We need to walk in it. So I'm going to ask you this morning to commit to the Lord. Let them know what your intentions are in regard to selfless love. Which means you're, you're saying to God, not only, God, do I want, not, I want to love this way, but God, I know what it takes to love this way. I have to abide in you. I've got to obey what you say. I've got to be your friend and walk in the light because that's going to be the fruit that's produced whenever I walk with you. So really our commitment today is a commitment we make over and over again in our lives. God, help me to abide in you. I'm more committed. I have a deeper appreciation for what this will produce, not only in me, but in this congregation and in the community. Lord, we want the world to see you. Jesus, make it so today. We worship you for being a God who loves us in the middle of our sin, God who doesn't expect anything from us, but instead has, has met every expectation by sending a perfect son to die on our behalf and to give us his righteousness. So we rejoice in that today, God. Help us to walk with you, to trust you. If you gave us, the, gave us Jesus and eternal life and righteousness, why would you not also with him freely give us an incredible life? Jesus, you said you came to, the, to, to give life and to give it more abundantly. And help us to believe that. I know that Satan is whispering in our ears constantly that this life is not good. It's hard. It's, it's work. God, that's not what you say. You say it's easy and light. And we'll find rest for our souls. And it'll be abundant and awesome. So help us today to take you at your word and surrender. Help us to walk it out this week. In Jesus' name.